Hi guys, you're tuned to the Nudge Health Podcast and I'm your host, Christine Dirito. Welcome to another episode and happy new month. We are now in November and we just concluded the uh, the Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is October. And just because it was, uh, just because uh, October was the Breast Cancer Awareness Month doesn't mean that uh, we can't talk about breast cancer anymore. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I'll probably start with just defining what cancer is. And uh, the basic definition of cancer is just an uncontrolled division of abnormal cells in the body. It can be in a part of a body. So, and that's why we have uh, like body part specific cancers, for example, breast cancer. Now, what we know is that breast cancer is the most common cancer in women. And it has been found to be like the highest prevalence or the highest incidences in developing countries or like, I mean, sorry, in developed countries, the likes of US, Canada, Europe, Australia. People argue, or uh, uh, researchers, or just basically, just people have argued that this could be because of the Western diet. And in the episode, in the previous episode, I did define what a Western diet is, and this is basically the diet that is characterized by consumption of high processed foods uh, that are high in fats, that are high in sugar, and low in fiber. But the interesting thing is, as much as uh, this diet is common in the West, and so the breast cancer is common in the West, uh, there are people are actually dying more in the developing countries. Yeah, the irony. So the numbers could be less in the, uh, the numbers of breast cancer in developing countries like Kenya, for example, could be less, but the mortality is higher, rather deaths are higher out of breast cancer in these countries. And this also has been argued that it could be because... Um, a lot of people get to know that they have cancer or breast cancer to be specific when it is advanced, yeah, like later on in its development, which means it is harder to treat. Now, uh, unlike in the, develop, the developed countries, in the industrialized countries, the likes of the Europe, those people, as much as the numbers are high, they are able to know, they detect, they're able to detect the cancer very early when it is still treatable. And so it's, uh, recovery is much higher there than it is in developing countries. Of course, also in the developing countries, we also have an issue with uh, the health facilities, like in terms of our, our health, our, our capacity. Like today, we still talk about people having to go out of the country to get treatment, but also we cannot, like, uh, we can ignore the fact that we are making strides. But yeah, the fact that we do not have as as uh, as strong or as uh, capable facilities, then that of course also contributes to uh, the high mortality. So, and that's also why, like, trying to manage the high mortality, this is why we actually have the screening. And in the last one month, the last month, October, there has been a lot of rallying and a lot of uh, calling people to, encouraging people to go and get uh, screened or to just have their, you know, their, their breast examination, for example. So uh, what factors maybe increase the risk of one having breast cancer? So we normally talk about uh, 
what we call modifiable factors. Those are the factors that you can change. And then we have the unmodifiable factors. Those are factors that you cannot change. So we start with the non-modifiable factors. So first of all, your gender, like being female, being a woman, increases your chances of getting breast cancer. Uh, also, another factor that you cannot change is age. The older you grow, the higher the risk of, like, basically, the risk of developing breast cancer increases as you age. And most cancers, most breast cancers are actually diagnosed after the age of 50. And then we also have uh, genetic mutations. And these are like uh, family or like hereditary or inherited genes. And the most common ones, the ones we probably know, are there is a gene BRCA1 and 2. But you also have um, another factor is the reproductive history. And uh, women who start their menstrual periods early, like uh, at the, be, before the age of 12, and also starting menopause after the age of 55, it exposes women to hormones longer. And so it increases their risk of getting breast cancer. And then we also have uh, some benign breast disease. So benign are, are, are it's like uh, tissues or funny cells that they're not cancer or they're not precancers, but... Uh, by themselves, but they basically increase the growth or development. They increase the risk of developing cancerous cells. And then also we have uh, hormones, like uh, when you have increased estrogen circulation, then you have a higher risk of developing breast cancer. And that is as much as uh, we have the non-modifiable factor. So you can't do anything about them, yeah? You can't change them, rather. But we have the modifiable one. And the first ones are the lifestyle risk factors. And this is, uh, for example, obesity. Uh, so what we've seen is that, uh, like, this, obesity has been associated with uh, increased risk of uh, postmenopausal breast cancer. And uh, the same thing with weight gain through, throughout adult adulthood. And this has a lot to do with diet, so to speak, like uh, the kind of diet we eat. And even with the estrogen, high fat, uh, very high fat diets have been shown to also in, uh, affect the, or rather increase uh, estrogen circulation. We have already seen that high estrogen, increased estrogen circulation increases the risk of breast cancer. And that could be the natural estrogen in the body. But when you have factors that are contributing to that to increase estrogen, then you're basically just increasing your risk further and having a lot of uh, body fat. And that is in the sense of obesity. That's a, a factor already. And, and also studies have also shown that for people who have uh, who are obese, their prognosis, rather they are you know, they are like a survival, like prognosis by prognosis. We're basically talking about expected uh, outcome and survival, so to speak. And for them, the outcome is not like there is not a quick recovery or basically like a recovery, so to speak. Huh? And then another factor that uh, falls within the risk, uh, the lifestyle, it is also physical activity. So breast cancer is reduced by almost by almost a quarter, like 25% among people who are physically active. And this is women who are physically active compared to those who are least active. 
and you know also physical activity has a role in um, weight management yeah and again when you're managing your weight you're also able to manage the you know to regulate your hormones and then again also we have uh, as a lifestyle factor we also have alcohol consumption now we studies have shown that uh, excessive alcohol consumption increases the risk of uh, breast cancer but also uh, some some have actually said that regular consumption of as little as one drink per day elevates the risk of breast cancer by about 4%. And so the more you increase, like, and if this quantity keeps on, or rather you keep increasing how much you take, then you're also increasing uh, your risk, regardless of the kind of alcohol you, cons- you consume. Yeah? So the key thing here is the alcohol. It's not the type of drink, rather the alcohol. And then another factor that is a lifestyle associated factor is also tobacco use. And studies have demonstrated that it is uh, whether it, like there's association between active smoking and secondhand smoke with breast cancer. And secondhand smoke is uh, the the smoke you inhale from. You're not the active smoker. You're not the person who's actually smoking, but you are inhaling or you're getting the smoke from other people who are smoking. So this also means that uh, it shouldn't be okay for you to be in an environment where people are smoking or like just because you can't argue i am i'm not a smoker but i am okay with people smoking around me so again you need to mind the second hand smoke uh other thing another other factors that can reduce the risk or that affect is for example breastfeeding studies have shown that uh, breastfeeding reduces the risk of breast cancer also exogenous hormones that this is like uh, using um, you know hormonal therapy like for example people will use postmenopause have have used uh, hormones to manage the effects so you can uh, you don't necessarily have to take um, hormones to manage those uh, menopausal effects for example like the hot the heat the hot flashes the mood the mood changes you can actually uh, incorporate other means like diet for example physical activity but you can also use but you can also like use very low amounts of the hormone if you must use the hormone but you can you can have another way around it uh, without necessarily using the hormones and then of course you also need to control uh high dose radiation so now that you've covered the risk factors so how can you know about your personal risk of developing cancer uh, breast cancer to be specific so there's a there's a, a risk calculator that was developed by the National Cancer Institute and you can get it on the National Cancer Institute website and so what it this in this how this calculator works it basically asks you all kinds of factors that increase your risk of developing cancer you know we've talked about those risks before so it sort of like lists uh, the kind of risk factors so you just tick uh, what risk factors like for example the age at which you started your periods the age at which you stopped having your periods how many children you've had uh, when you had your first pregnancy uh your family history for example if you've had a family history of of breast cancer any other cancer like uh ovarian for instance and uh then it puts this 
information together and gives you a personal five-year and a lifetime risk of developing breast cancer. So yeah, check out the National Cancer Institute website and you'll see that calculator and you can just have an assessment done for you. So uh, let's talk about the genetic causes of um, breast cancer. So we mentioned, I mentioned that uh, you can have genes that are passed on, which are put you at a higher risk of getting breast cancer. But um, so how much risk do you think that uh, you may have that is as a result of uh, your genes? Like a at what percentage do you, do you suppose um, the gene factor carries in your risk of developing breast cancer? Well, it may surprise you to learn that majority of people who actually present breast cancer don't even have a family history of breast cancer. It's only about 5 to 10% that actually have a genetic predisposition. Yeah. Yeah, five five to 10%. It's a small number, you know. But it is important because sometimes oncologists and, you know, cancer experts can actually figure out uh, this genetic mutation. Knowing this uh, genetic predisposition uh, means that you can sometimes have some risk-reducing strategies that we can use to be able to mitigate or to reduce your risk of developing the cancer. So... What genes may predispose you to developing breast cancer? So we'll talk about the, the most popular genes to start. So we have the BRCA1 and 2. So this is probably, you probably heard about this ones. This is what uh, Angelina Jolie had. You should probably have had this. Or if you've watched the ball type, then this is also what gene had a mutation for. And... But there are many other genes that you can that can predispose you to getting breast cancer, and uh, not just this BRCA one and two. So let's look at them a little bit in details. So they are the two are the most common ones, and they are what we call high penetrance genes, and these are carried in an autosomal dominant fashion. This is basically to mean. You see how, you know, you get genes from your mother, half of your genes are from your mother and the other half of genes are from your, your, your father. And in autosomal dominant patterns, this means you're going to pass on one set of those genes to your child, yeah? So basically, it is a, that is a, a fashion where you're able to transmit those genes to your offspring. So the high penetrance genes, the, BA, the BRCA, one and two, so they are high risk. So meaning when you compare to the general population, the risk of developing breast cancer by various ages or even other, other cancers, then it becomes quite high. So for example, uh, for breast cancer in the general populations, the, the chances of getting cancer by age of 40 is about a half percent, yeah? But... The minute you carry the BRCA1 or 2 gene mutation, that risk is about uh, 10 to 20%. Again, in terms of breast cancer, your risk of developing breast cancer by the age of 70 in the general population is 8%. 
But if you carry the BRCA1 or 2 gene mutation, it could be as high as 85%. So now you can, now you, you sort of get why it may be important to reduce that, you know, that 85%. Uh, but it's not, this thing doesn't just occur in, like breast cancer doesn't just occur in, in, uh, in women. Actually, I saw in the papers, still in a, I don't I don't remember the exact day, but sometime in last month there was a, they had a, one of the I think it was in Daily Nation they had a feature of men and talking about breast cancer, and the, there was a, one of the men was saying how he couldn't believe when they were telling him he had he had breast cancer. But the truth is, about one percent of all breast cancer in the general population occurs in men. But uh, this BRCA1 can also be in men. And when it is in men, that 1% increases, can goes up to about 8%. And so men also do get uh, breast cancer in that BRCA1. And remember we said that uh, this, this, uh, these genes are... We, we talked about how they can be transmitted to your offspring. And remember that uh, we genes are, are passed on from, you know, both parents. So if you're a man and you have, a, you get breast cancer, you really want to have, a, you know, you really want to interrogate whether you could carry the BRCA1 to CA2 or gene mutation. Uh, because you could pass this on to your children, whether it is a boy or it is a girl, yeah? You need to keep that in mind. But BRCA1 and 2 also increase your risk of other cancers, yeah? And that is where I mentioned, remember I had mentioned ovarian cancer. So, yeah, so it, they do increase, these genes increase the risk of, of uh, developing ovarian cancer. So in the general pop population, it's very rare to get uh, ovarian cancer. Like, okay, yeah, we do have the numbers of ovarian cancer, yes, but not as high. But when you have um, the BR, the this uh, BRCA genes, where the percent could have been very low, it increases to up to 40%. It also increases the risk of men getting prostate cancer. And uh, uh, in general population, where the general population could get, uh, you know, like a 7 to 15%, then this uh, risk can increase by up to 40%. So, and this also is true for pancreatic cancer. So it is a rare form of cancer, but with a BRCA1, then the, the, increase, the, the cancer, the risk of getting uh, pancreatic cancer increases. So it is important to keep in mind that the BRCA1 is not just uh, a concern for, you know, uh, breast cancer, but also for these other ca cancers that cluster together. So like I mentioned, the ovarian cancer, prostate cancer, and pancreatic cancer. Uh, and this this genes this uh this genes basically cluster in terms of or rather by their by what we call their relative risk and relative risk basically just means the chances of getting breast cancer for those who have a gene mutation relative to those who don't have that gene mutation. So we have those that have a high relative risk, and that's an that's like example of the BRCA1 and 2. But in, in this cluster, we also have some other ones 
for example, we have a gene called P53, P10, CDH1, and STK11. Then we have the ones that have uh, moderate uh, penetrance genes. And uh, penetrance, remember we said, uh, refers to how often people who carry a particular gene mutation will express that particular trait. So uh, this, this moderate ones, the moderate penetrance genes, they are a lot more common than those, the high relative risk, but they have a lower risk. They have a lower relative risk of developing or, or rather of causing uh, breast cancer when compared to the cluster of the P53 and the BRC1 and 2. Then we have those ones that have low penetrance, uh, like they have the low penetrance genes. They are, they are the pretty common ones, and we find these mutations quite a lot. But the risk that they infer for a patient in terms of breast cancer uh, development, the resulting in breast cancer is pretty, pretty low. So now, how do you know if you have a genetic mutation and what can you do about it? Well, the first step is always to see a genetic counselor and you see a counselor before you go for testing because it is important that you talk about, uh, you know, like who is the correct person to actually go and get the test and what is the right test for them and what is the right interpretation for that test. And uh, there are generally a number of potential genes that one could be mutated uh in and I, I mean, we've I've listed some of the genes, so you do know. Uh, if you need you need to know, like, are you testing for the right gene? And that is why you start with counseling, because again, interpretation is always isn't always like as simple as you know you are positive genetic mutation for this, or you have a genetic negative uh, one for this. Sometimes you could get a result that it is that is a. Uh, that is not very clear or that is, is not comprehensible. So that's why you need to, first of all, have go f get the counseling so that you are able to be directed in, uh, in the proper direction. So supposing you may have a family history and you're worried about the BERCA1 or gene mutation, or in your family you've had uh, breast cancer or ovarian cancer, then does that mean you should be tested for the BRC1 or 2 gene? Well, uh, the first thing is to remember that you might not be the right person to get tested. Sometimes it is better to test the person who has the cancer and then you test to see whether you have the same kind of mutation. So who should at least be referred for genetic testing if you suspect a BRC1 or 2 gene mutation? So a group of major cancer centers that are in the U.S., known as the NCCN, that's the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, they came up with some guideline or a criteria of who should be tested for, I mean, who should be who should have this gene test. And it's also the same thing. You, you find a similar criteria or guideline that has been given and under the category of the high-risk population in the Kenyan, Kenya's National Cancer Screening Guideline. And this includes, uh, one, then an individual with a number of relatives with breast and ovarian cancer uh, in two or more generations, 
uh, and at least one case with onset under the age of 50. You remember we have we have we have indicated BRC1 as a risk factor for both breast and ovarian cancer. So if you have and we say the risk, the cases of ovarian cancer are generally relatively low. So when you have a when you have a when ovarian cancer develops, it is there is a you know it is a it could be indicative of a possible a possible BRC uh, AD genetic uh, mutation. So yeah, so if you have uh, if there's a family history uh, with cases three or more cases of breast or ovarian cancer, then you can you are you are considered a high risk individual. Again, you're high risk if you have breast cancer that was diagnosed at the age of 45 or younger. Remember, we uh, I mean we because I mean that is a young age to have developed breast cancer. And then again, if you have had bilateral primary breast cancer, that is breast cancer on both sides, particularly if you are first diagnosed when you are less than the age of 50, again, young, 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 young case of our breast cancer and breast cancer in both, uh, both breasts. Also, you are considered high risk if you have a triple negative breast cancer. And this is a, 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 a cancer where... Um, you have uh, estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and HER2 receptors all negative. So these are receptors of uh, uh, their hormone receptors, and when all of when all three of them are negative, uh, and it's a case of uh, a cancer where all three of them are negative, then in that case you need to you're considered to have a high risk for the BRCA genes mutation. And then also if you're a man who has developed breast cancer, regardless of the age where you are at, then you do need, you're considered high risk for the BRCA gene mutation. Also, if you have uh, other cancers that uh, come in that class, you remember we mentioned the cancers that are, that, uh, that have uh, are, that are, that are, whose risk is increased or are clustered with the uh, BRCA1 and two genes. You remember we talked about breast cancer, ovarian, pancreatic, and prostate. So if you have a, if your family, if you start seeing your family history of these cancers, just like investigate, could it be that there is a risk for, or you potentially carry the BRCA1 or two gene mutations in the family? And then also, of course, if you have confirmed BRCA, one or two mutations in the family, then uh, uh, you could potentially also be at risk. But what you need to remember is that this is not, uh, that not all, we say not all, you know, breast cancer comes as a result of the BR, BRCA1 and 2 genes mutations. There are other genes that could cause, and we will cover those are the genes in the next in the next episode i think we have uh, said some heavy things in today's episode so i'll give you some time to listen to that and internalize that also remember to calculate your risk yeah remember to visit the the national cancer institute website so look that up look at the calculator i'm also going to link it in my I mean, I'll I'll uh, I'll link it in the socials when I share the episode so that you can go and you know 
do your calculate your risk and yeah get some time listen to this and also if you still haven't had your breast examination that there is still time um we still have some some of the facilities or programs that we are doing examination still uh, like going on and also you don't just need to have uh you know the the awareness month going on you can simply just walk into any facility that provides such services and have the examination done so yeah that's it for today until the next the next episode take care of yourselves and be good Ooh.